0: Hold on to your toilet paper, everyone, and your sanity. Welcome to the Lean Brace Show, March 17th, 2020. All right, everyone, I'm happy to have my very good friend and my teacher, my strength coach, Eric Kenyon from Grass Valley, California, back on the Lean Brace Show. Eric, welcome.
1: Thank you, Ron. It's great to be on this show again. Well, we decided a few days
0: ago it'd be an interesting time to do a show based on our (laughs) philosophy of training and the global crisis uh, on March seventeenth, 2020. And I actually want to bring that to front and center, Eric, because as a historian for future posterity, I think it's important to highlight what we're dealing with today because 50 years from now when we're— Dead and gone. Someone might be listening to this show, and maybe they can learn something from it.
1: Yeah, it's definitely um, a good time to have this conversation. Couldn't be better.
0: So we've been uh, talking about philosophy training ever since we met, which is uh, at this point probably over a decade ago. And I think um, you know this is a good time to talk about the type of not only physical fitness training that you and I do with our own bodies and our own clients and friends, but also the mental training that goes into it. Because right now, um, obviously there are physical health issues, but the real issues that I am concerned about are the mental stability issues going on. Now, I'm here in Los Angeles, which is a much more hazardous place to be than uh, I would imagine Grass Valley, which is, you know, I just think, like that's a super cool place to be, in, in my opinion, Northern California, Gold Rush country. But how are things up there, and what's what's your read on the situation today?
1: Well, um, it's it's kind of funny. Um, <laughs> all the toilet paper disappeared off the shelves. In most of the stores. All the chicken. I I don't know how people uh Minds, but. That's part of what's going on. Uh, you know, up until the coronavirus thing hit, I would say Grass Valley was really thriving economically. It was kind of nice to see. I'm downtown almost every day now, so I get to see that.
0: For those of you that don't know, Grass today, Valley... the last couple of days... It, yeah, just want to uh, preface this. Grass Valley is up above Sacramento. It's in the middle of the state of California. It's up in the mountains, so... It was where the gold rush era uh, occurred in the, you know, the late 1800s. And it's it's got some really cool history there and, and just beautiful, beautiful country, beautiful part of California and, and America. So, yep. yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I'd say that's kind of going on all over. I have, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, seen pictures from different friends around the country and around the world. And it's just kind of the way things are right now. There's not much we can do about um, how the crisis is being managed globally, but as no. as you and I have discussed the last couple of days, prepping for the show here no pun intended right. with the prepping, um, yeah. the types of training that we have laid down, not just in the in the previous weeks, but in the previous years, yes, I think are critically important. And um, I'll, I'll start first, which was my. You know, current job is teaching physical education, and I start with children, TK, which is pre-kindergarten and through sixth grade. And, you know, I have taught them straight up front, like ancient Greece, that the movement skills are, the you know, the first thing you need to learn, you know, because it's through the movement that you learn the mental stability and how to elevate culture and how to think beautifully if you can move beautifully as well. So I start that in kindergarten. And of course, it's age-appropriate, but still— The movement is very, very critical, not just playing the touchy-feely games. And as the children get older, I relate the survival skill part of it. Now, I've been criticized a lot for that, as you know, Eric. And I'm sure you've been criticized as well for taking that approach that we can call it functional, but, I mean, they were using that term 100 years ago as well. But physical education was very survival-oriented. It was very practical, you know, push, pull, lift, carry, jump, swim— roll, crawl, you know, can you do these things? And as Hebert said in the French system, the natural method, can you be strong to be useful and not just physically strong, but mentally strong as well? So in retrospect, as I look back now, I'm so grateful that I had the, the, the wisdom from history guiding me as a rudder on my ship to teach these children the skills that they're going to need to apply and not just the weeks to come, but the months to come. And how are how are your students taking your philosophy of training, and what's your feedback on that with your group in Grass Valley?
1: Well, um, uh, lately my business has been expanding slowly but surely, mm-hmm. which I've... is a very gratifying thing. And uh, so I have more students, and I have some new students, and. Um, so uh, that's been really nice. Um, and basically, it's funny. You'd think that after 21 years in the business, um, something would flatten out, right? Right. Like um, either my skill would flatten out or the, the results my students get would flatten out or the uh, the rate of improvement, Um a form is function itself uh-huh. would flatten out, but that has not happened at all. That's In fact, a-, a lot of times it seems like my learning curve is getting steeper and sharper.
0: This is an uh, excellent point right. to bring up, Eric, because um, I think when you read and train like we do, there's no ceiling to improvement. You have the beginner's mind; you're right. always learning. I would say I'm 60 today. I'm at the peak. Happy (laughs) birthday. Well, not today, today, but I'm sixty this year and um I feel like I'm at the peak of my career in terms of just what I can do with my body and what I know. But I learn every day. Every day I'm I'm learning. And what I know today won't be what I know tomorrow because of what I read and the quality of of what I'm reading. And sure my VO two max isn't what it was and twenty years ago and all that, but in terms of my skill, proficiency my ability to dial in excellence of movement or getting closer to that, that's never-ending on the improvement side. Right. So I, I like what you're saying because I get that. I completely understand that. I don't think maybe a lot of people would get that initially, uh-huh. but it's a very, very excellent point to make.
1: Yeah, and um, I think it shows uh, that we're right where we need to be. Yes, I, um, I've seen people flatten out in a couple months or a couple years in this business. And that's pretty sad, and then they, they probably need to be in a different a different career path. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, one thing I've been thinking a lot about lately is what I call the enclave of success. right? Mm-hmm. So one thing you talk about a lot, and a lot of our colleagues talk about, well, I won't say a lot, some of our colleagues talk about is the dysfunctional uh, culture of health and fitness in the United States? And now it's unsuccessful. Uh, but we we can find enclaves of success. Yes. And um, there's one right where you are, and there's one right here where I am. Mm-hmm. And uh, our job is not to get all uh, all out about swimming against the current uh, the dysfunctional current in this country but to build our enclaves of success and and to look for others
0: right yes they're out there and then and I, oh, yeah, yeah within one of the you know i'm I'm doing my best to like okay well what are well, <laughs> What are some of the opportunities, and not just from a Uh marketing, money, quick grab, you know, sensationalistic standpoint? I mean, ethically, what are the opportunities here? Because in crisis, people do rise up. This is one of the things I talked to my students about the Friday before we went out on an early break. I go, in times of emergency, good people step up. And it's the people that don't have control and the panic that don't have the same level of survival. Uh, rates. And I've taught them this for a year and a half, so this is not the first time they heard (laughs) it. Although I must say on Friday before we left, it was the most quiet I've seen them ever. I think they realized that, you know, when I talked to them about doing certain types of movements for survival and and doing certain types of exercises to boost their immunity, on Friday they started to get it, right? And so um, these are the types of things that, you know, can we can this crisis eric bring to the surface these enclaves of success and these people that are doing the authentic work and let let the let the bullshit if you will precipitate out and settle down to the bottom because in in so many ways and we've talked about this over the years right there needs yeah. to be some some level of recalibration now we all knew that was going to come eventually because there's no country in history as a historian i'll say this that's ever survived long-term with such levels of dysfunction. You know, the morbid obesity, the disease, just the dysfunctional minds alone. Like, how can you (laughs) continue this, you know? So if if nothing else, this is a huge uh, recalibration
1: coming from nature. Yeah, and um, we already see excellence rising to the surface um, in in many fields. And we also see... um, uh, the opposite. Yes, right? yes. We see uh, the, uh, the weak and the greedy and the self-centered revealing themselves as well. And, um, you know, I've seen people panicking, and I think it's 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 early to panic. Right. I'm saving my panic for much later. Yes, yes.
0: You know, I was thinking about this the other day and, and thinking about what we're going to talk about today. Um, and here's my thoughts, Eric. If... Worst case scenario: This thing blows up, and it's 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 the doomsday prophecy, you know, uh, enacted. Um, there, there's an old concept that I learned as an English student. It's called *Ars Moriendi*. It's the Ooh. art of dying well. And there was this whole oh thing. It was this whole thing about dying, how to die, and I, and the people that had it figured out knew that everyone is gonna go out eventually. I mean even Jack Elaine checked out a few years ago. That's right. Right. And so to to fight that and resist the natural process is is to live a false existence. And I'm thinking about the art of dying well. You know, if I have to just slowly starve under the bridge and go out that way, I'm going to do my best to do it and not Panic, and behave in such a way that degrades humanity. You know, and this is just my right. thought. This is my thought on March seventeenth, twenty twenty. We're already yeah. seeing people behaving animalistic. Um, yes, in in lines, and you know, there's it's it, it might not be the fisticuffs, although I've heard some reports of that already. Sure, but it's just the. I mean sometimes racist comments uh here oh in here in the area where I'm at and you know as a person that studies culture that that never elevates anything. So nope. I I prefer to have some dignity in this and and do my absolute best. I mean once again hi- history can be a guide. Uh JB yeah. J- J. Nash, my favorite physical educator of all time, you know, talked about history and historic wisdom as being a rudder on the ship to guide you into the proper harbors. And if we look back into the Holocaust and the Jewish, you know, prisoners of war and what they've been through and how they were able, the ones that did survive, to come back into life and continue on, um, let's take some strength from those types of people and know that, um... You know, we can we can hopefully get through this, and and you know we'll see what happens. But anyway,
1: yeah, yeah, it's a challenging time, and you know I've uh, been talking to some uh, colleagues of, who are pretty smart people, including you, Ron, and uh, we've been talking about for excellence to reveal itself. Yes, and uh, and we are seeing that. And like I said, we're also seeing uh, the opposite of that. And um, But I, I think one of the things we can do is realize that it is an opportunity, it's an opportunity to help others. Um, it's an opportunity to be calm in the middle of a storm.
0: Yes. I'll pull on George H. Barrett from the French system, the natural method, and Philippe Till can speak to him. Uh, and his system, of course, in more detail than both of us put together. However, you know, the credo, and and to define credo for people that don't know what that word meant or means, it's guiding philosophy. So the credo of the natural method was be strong to be useful, and those are really my parting words as I left school and my students Friday, is be strong to be useful. Yeah. And um, I think that's, and he didn't just mean physically strong. I was talking to Philippe no, about no. this. I'm going to do a show with Philippe uh, later this week, by the way. Excellent. And it was a, it was a mental strength as well. So I think we, we are overdue for for the authentic people to rise up and to to be doing the Greek arete, which was defined striving for excellence. Enough of the mediocrity. We need to start striving for excellence. And, you know, I research leadership a lot, and I've been reading extensively about the World War II generation as a way to find my rudder so I can communicate this to the other people that I'm working with, whether it be military groups or, you know, education professionals or just people in the general public listening to our show. And one of the profound things that I learned from reading a book called Arsenal of Democracy— uh-huh. This book was written by David M. Nelson in 1946, Eric, and, right. and Nelson was basically the guy that President Roosevelt appointed personally to organize the industrial engine to supply the war effort, and it wasn't just supplying the war effort for Americans, it was also the Allies, and we were sending, like, literally yes. whole factories over to Russia, you know, Yep. and all—I mean, it was amazing, like, what happened behind the scenes and how quickly America mobilized— and here's the thing. imagine this and this is a true story, you know. They they've got General Electric and they send over their vice president to Washington D.C. So it's like you have a major, you know, billion dollar corporation, you take one of your highest level executives and you give that person to the government. And they ship over to D.C. for a couple years. And he said like overnight he had all these high power type a uh people Around a table, forming committees, and there was a—it was interesting because he said there was a lot of arguing, a lot of heated discussions. But he said that was actually good in the long run because it brought everything to the table. There was no agreeing on just to agree with somebody, just to agree with them. We've seen that in the fitness world, you know, people just get frantic over the cult of personality. And he goes that that wasn't the case. They hashed it out, and what they didn't have was time. And he said the reason we were able to mobilize and get it done so quickly with so many different opinions because they all had a common goal, and the goal was this, win the war. And so what I'm looking at now is this is the kind of wisdom, the classical wisdom out of history that our people in Washington, D.C. need to get their heads around, and immediately. What we don't have is time. And the party lines and all this bullshit needs to immediately vanish. And yep. we need to get our heads around this. We need to mobilize. It's just like going to war. Exactly. And, and the good needs to rise to the top, and the rest of it needs to precipitate out. And that's, that's something I want to share. That's an amazing book uh, to read. I mean, it was shocking how fast our factories retooled for the war effort. And then I just, you know, the the amount of teamwork, um, solidarity, um, you know, women on the lines working. It was just it was just uh, humbling to learn about that in detail. I've always wanted to learn about how they did that. This book is the source. He wrote it right after the war when it was fresh in his mind. And he wrote the book as a. As a person that needed to preserve the history, this is one of the things I get out of my reading. Right. Like, these guys knew and these women knew. They needed to write this stuff down and leave us a trail. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I feel confident in having that rudder now as we're into the crisis situation. And, and we need to get that message out with our, with our voice, with our physical training, um, you know, with our clients and, and students and things like that. Now, on the physical side, you know, um, the the, the types of functional things that we might need to do now are very important. I've spent a lot of time teaching my students about situational awareness for self-defense and some basic self-defense. And I think right now that's that's a pretty good thing to have in your arsenal. Uh, I'm going to be doing a show with James Neidlinger about observational living later this week on you know how to observe the public and read uh, body language and different things going on like that but what's your what's your read what's your take with your clients on the t- the types of movements that you've taught them to do and how they're potentially applying that right now and how that is important hey eric So, hey, go ahead, Eric. I mean, how are you, how are your clients um, applying those skills that you've taught them years in view of the situation, and, and not just physically, but just the mental part of it, too?
1: Yeah, well, I'm very uh, gratified to find that um, what we've been doing for the last months and last years, uh, many years, you know, 11, 11, excuse me, 12 years up here in, uh, in gold country, has served my clients very well, no matter what happens.
0: Right, any situation, no.
1: yeah. Yeah, so we're, we're in the middle of a big crisis altogether right now. But, you know, over the years, my clients individually have been in all kinds of crises.
0: <clears throat> right.
1: And our training has served them very well. Um, uh, one student of mine saved uh, two lives uh, rock climbing, um, I'm so glad that could, that was possible.
0: Wow. Yeah. I remember hearing about that. That was a few years ago, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. I, that's an important point. Like we're, we, you know, when we work with people, we train them for life. We don't, yes. we don't train them for um, the gym or the, you know, the selfies, you know? <laughs> right. Um, right. It, but it, you know, it, it's for life. And I often say, Well, I'm preparing and people say, Well, preparing for what? I go, For whatever I need to do. You know, this yeah. is this is something that Dr. Thomas taught me years ago. He goes, You need to read, you need to train, study, and prepare. And train. Yeah. And this is what you need to do. Wash and recycle every single day. You're reading, you're training, you're studying, you're you're preparing. You just keep doing it over and over and over and over. And absolutely. And and that's what we do. And yeah. the classical idea of training too is that you you never walk away from your session without improvement. You always learn something, and you always get better.
1: Oh yeah, now, even when you have a <clears throat> excuse me, even when you have a shitty session, exactly. you learn something. It's part of a process. Yes, and it's a it's an indispensable part of the process. You know, uh, every once in a while, one of my students who probably should know better gets a little bummed out because they have a shitty training session. Right. And we end up laughing a little bit because uh, one of the things we'll we'll talk about is this. How many shitty training sessions do you think a professional athlete like, say, Evan Strong has had in his career? (laughs) (laughs) He's had more shitty training sessions than most of us have had training sessions. You see what I mean? Yeah,
0: it's an opportunity for learning, though,
1: right? Yeah, you think he gets bummed out? Uh, no. You know, if you— He he and others like him know it's part of a process.
0: And if you ask us on any given day, what did you learn today? If we can't say what we learned and something we realized— Right. —on an intellectual level, then something's wrong. Like, I screwed up. That's
1: exactly right.
0: I was trail running yesterday with my daughter in a light rain, and— you know I was thinking about this so what did I learn you know comes I'm trying to teach her the art of yeah. running you know and and I think that's something missing with her is just the art of running and, and maybe the deeper yeah. the deeper joy of running right and i'm just thinking in my own breathing and what i'm learning about listening to my feet versus her feet but it's it, it, it's not like i'm not enjoying myself but i'm i've got a hyper awareness from a, like a zen standpoint of of what's going on it's kind of like a focus, non focusing thing. It's—I know you understand that, but the, oh, yeah. maybe the typical person that goes in the gym—they they might not get that. But that—but <laughs> that is what's missing, Eric.
1: It, it is absolutely missing. It is and the art of the move Yeah. What you're speaking of, and it's kind of hard to—it's not the easiest thing to articulate—is the results of a long, diligent, and mindful practice. Yes. Right. You. As long as you hang in there and keep focusing on the quality, not just keep uh, grinding out reps. Right. I mean, mindful practice. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll keep learning new things.
0: That level right? of sharpening the body sharpens yeah. the brain and the mind. Exactly. And, that, and that, that's yeah. one of the real deep areas of history that I got into this last year, getting ready for a keynote to educational kinesiologists last August was mm-hmm. I realized what people really were writing about at the deepest level is that it's the muscles that mold the mind, not yeah. the mind that molds the muscles. Now, I've been right. taught in my you know, contemporary training, it's all about the brain, and the brain is all the control center. That is not yeah. what they talk about in history. They talk about the certain large, especially with younger children, that it's the large muscle group movements that start molding the mind and then you bring in the fine motor control with the hands and the fingers in particular and that really because of the because of the amount of nerves in the hands the hands were critical to to brain development and that's another thing that we're missing today is the fine motor control skills of the hands especially with children but as i know I've, i've trained with your group before so i know the finesse part of what you do and the little micro adjustments. And once you get your head around that, it's playful, but it's detailed and it does matter. The nuance, (laughs) the nuance in the historical methods matter. Dr. Thomas taught me this years ago, like how you hold that Indian club does matter. There's just little adjustments that you can make that make all the difference in the world. And I think that's woefully missing in, in current you know, fitness groups or training. It's just, there's no mindfulness of that whatsoever.
1: That's a big mistake. Um, Exercise without that mindfulness is artificially weak and artificially ineffective. Um, You know, I've been talking uh, to my students and to some of my assistants lately about, um, you know, opportunities. You know, um, if if you're not working on that awareness and that dexterity, you're missing a big part of what you're doing. And I think uh, my job over the past couple decades in a big way has been to make sure my students are not missing any of that, um, that they're experiencing it and benefiting from it and making best use of their time their time and
0: their energy you know yeah and you're right on historically and also from a neuroscience perspective you know that that has a direct connection into the brain the hands and the fingers and and how you move them and you know this is one of the complaints that people have about kids today is um, their lack of uh, motor control skills especially with their hands they need occupational therapy now in first grade (laughs) because they don't know how to hold a crayon or a pencil
1: and, right, and the, right.
0: the simple reason for that, and I think we've actually talked about it in our conversations more than once, is that they're not being taught how to eat real food with a knife, fork, and spoon. So if you're eating right. fast food with gross motor control, grabbing a burrito or a pizza, there's not a lot of fine motor control it in. You just stick it in, you know? Yeah. It reminds me of the Nike slogan just do it. It's a nice slogan, but it's complete bullshit. Uh, that's right. It is complete bullshit. <laughs> we've been sold up the river on that crap, you know, because it yeah. isn't just doing it. I mean, yeah, it's important to go out and do something. I get that, but it's, you know, so much of it is how you do it, and that's been comforting to me, you know, to get that out of history and and to proceed in that path. And I think, you know, in view of the current crisis with the coronavirus, I'm hoping that these types of things come back up to the surface. Years ago, Eric, I was in Sacramento doing a, a big corporate presentation to a global think tank group for an insurance company, and and the global marketing director took me out in the parking lot after I did like a three-hour presentation on history and what they were they were looking for ideas out of history to move right. forward with uh, some technology that I can't discuss because of some right. documentation I signed with them. But anyway, she took me out in the parking lot for another hour. And she said that the, the biggest companies in America are looking to history – ideas because the world is in such a chaotic state and I think right right now that's going to be super super important the people that have a knowledge of history can to some degree of accuracy predict the future and we can see where this is going it's pretty frightening if we don't make some changes I can also see the changes that need to be made to bring us back online onto the right path right and that's very, very clear to me. I don't I don't have any problems saying that and presenting the, the details of that in the presentations that I do. Um, right. And the, the last year I've been doing some some pretty high power presentations to, to some very good s- smart people and they're they're on it. Like when I lay out the story, they're on it and they get it good. and they're off and running with the information. Excellent. Yeah, so that's exciting. Yeah. Well, as we as pre- <laughs> proceed in the weeks to come, it will be interesting. I one of the another advantage of the types of training that you and I do and teach others is it's very analog. You know, we yeah. Um, now I know you're you're doing some successful online training with your groups, That's and right. it's nice to have the advantage of the technology and use it. But yeah. but on the flip side of that, our tools are basically analog and simple. Yeah and um, the philosophy guides the tools more than the tools guiding everything else, you know?
1: Yeah, and, and it's very interesting because, um, so we're using, I would call it the cutting edge of technology to like stream classes.
0: Right. <clears throat>
1: you know, through Zoom or whatever it is, you know? Yeah. Last night I was training with a student from Boston, mm-hmm. very nice. Yeah. Um, but that's just a, a tool of communication you know, what we were doing in that session was Turkish get-ups with a kettlebell.
0: Yeah.
1: Right? Um, she doesn't need an elliptical in her tiny little apartment in Boston. Right. Right? She doesn't need a treadmill. Um, you know, she has a YMCA in her neighborhood, but she doesn't really need it. It's a nice thing to have. Mm-hmm. Um so uh, I think uh, we have an opportunity here to uh use new technology to to spread ancient wisdom.
0: Sure. And you, right? I think that's important to use the current whatever you have and to use yeah. history as a guide and proceed. And you know, yeah. as a historian I I know that everything changes. Nothing oh, can yeah. stay exactly the same. We have to adapt. Right. I've had to I, I, I must say that's been one of the benefits of working with youth today with the historical knowledge that I have right. is I've had to really figure out how to adapt it. And I thought I had pretty good skill sets going in. But Eric, okay. I'm gonna tell you. When you have <laughs> sixty kindergartners at oh, the same Lord. time, yeah. your your skills as an instructor are quite challenged, man. I'll bet. <laughs> And when you have 90 to 120 first through sixth graders, right. you, you find out what you're made out
1: of. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, boy.
0: <laughs> you really do. And, you you know, you have to distill things down like, okay, what's the essence of what I'm trying to teach here? And, yeah. And, and just start there. And uh, what I did is I ended up going back to Greece, you know. The two things Good. that they prioritize, and this this might be something that you can talk to your classes about. In ancient Greece physical education, they had two primary objectives, balance and rhythm. And, and upon balance and rhythm, you, you can build beautiful movement. And if you move beautifully, you can think with beauty, too. So in essence, oh, you bad. know, if you ask me, what was your number one priority goal in your teaching of physical education? The last year and a half, Ron. I would say to teach the children how to move with beauty. Because oh, I know if they get that, they can have beautiful thought. Well, how do you do right. that? You use rhythm and you use balance. And sure. and I started with that. My first week, I'm looking around, I'm just like deer in a headlights. Oh my God, these kids, there's no sense of rhythm, virtually none. Right. And their balance that, and so I started with feet. Basically, I, I taught them how to stand with balance, and then how to breathe rhythmically with art. There's a, there's a artful way that. And next time I come up, I'll I'll uh, if you give me the privilege again of having a few minutes with your students, I'll show them how I taught the kindergartners to do all this. Um, awesome, because Love it's it. it's really beautiful, and I, you know, to look out and see fifty kindergartners doing <laughs> art, art, art the art of breath is. Pretty Love powerful it. stuff.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Then we can talk about fox feet. The fox. About feet. What at fox feet! I taught them how to have fox feet.
1: Fox feet. That yeah. sounds beautiful.
0: I can do a whole lesson on fox feet. You That's know, great. And it's it's one of those things I think they'll always remember the fox feet and the, the little simple right. things that I did with them. And it to people that don't have an eye in history, that just looks kind of stupid. But I'm telling yeah. you, it's a huge concept. You know. So the, Deep. T- yeah, the type, so the, yeah, the types of training we do is, is, uh, it is training for life. It's not training for a particular competition, although with Evan's case, it could be, but I would, I would argue that yep. Evan's training for snowboarding at a world-class level applies to everything that he does, you know?
1: Well, you know, that, that's how he talks a lot of the time. As you know, um, there's an interview that we did about four years ago mm-hmm. where, um, you know, we kind of go off a little bit, <laughs> and he starts talking about how uh, the deadlift is like a Taoist riddle, mm. and that he's going to be deadlifting for the rest of his life.
0: That mm-hmm.
1: it's nice that it gave him all this power that he can use um, in competition. Yeah, but he says it it changed his whole life from the body inward.
0: Just a simple deadlift.
1: Yeah, and that's something.
0: The simple yet deep deadlift.
1: Simple but profound, you
0: know? Well, as Dr. McGregor taught me, you know, there we want to get to 10 before we even know 1. And he goes, as you get more into this, Ron, you'll find out that there are many layers to number 1. You'll think you have number 1, then you go to 2 or 3 or 4, and then you realize, wait, I need to go back to 1 because there's something I missed. And this, he goes, this is an endless cycle. And I found this to be very true. Yeah. Because things I've done literally thousands of times, I can I can discover something new as I yeah. read deeper. And so much of this is tied to my reading. If I was just yeah. training, I wouldn't discover all this. But it's it's the reading that I do and not just in PE but yeah. philosophy and military history and the exploration of modern dance, you know, a hundred years ago. All these things factor into what I can discover in a certain exercise movement or tool that I've been using for over a decade and done thousands of reps of, right? But it's that joy of the beginner's mind, and I think that, in essence, is what keeps us young and keeps it exciting because I'm always learning. I don't have all the answers, Eric, but I think I have better questions, and I know what I know, definitely. I'm looked at as an expert of some degree in the history of PE, but in reality... You know, I'm still just a beginner, and my highest-level teachers have said the same. So as we move forward, where are the quote-unquote experts that openly admit they're beginners? Let's see them in the weeks to come, and let's get the truth to come forward.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, It's going to be a learning experience for all concerned.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I, it's we're in trying times, but it's a pleasure to talk to you. And I, you know, I think one of the one of the things I'll close with is some lessons from J.B. Nash. I'm going to be talking a lot more about J. Brian Nash in the weeks and months okay. to come because he is my favorite physical educator of all time. He wrote a book in the middle of World War II called Building Morale. And if you think about it, you know, when we went into World War II, we actually thought there's a pretty realistic chance we were going to lose before we right. ever got into the war. When you and, and Nelson's book really laid that out. He was very frank about it. Like, you don't, you know, we were very close to not doing it. So this is very important, the whole morale thing. And and one of the things that Nash brought out, and it's been mimicked in other writings, but I think I like Nash. I love Nash because he can simplify and it makes sense. You need to have challenge. Well, we've got plenty of challenge right now. You know, these, oh, yeah. these are the things that build morale. You need to have a chance for success, and so that's something we need to emphasize with our people. we got a challenge, but there's a chance for success here. And interestingly, you must have, must have social approval. Wow. Because without that, why are you doing it in the first place? Now, we can say the Zen Buddha people are going to do it, and there's nobody looking, but that, in reality, everybody wants somebody to say, hey, great job. You know, that's, right. that's wonderful or keep it up or thank you. And so whether it's remotely or in person, and, and we can see how this has been manipulated for social media, you oh, know, and man. and gaming. So some of these people probably yep. read the same stuff that I read out of history and they just used it oh, yeah. in a in a non-productive way. Yep. But but those 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 are the big points. You've got to have challenge, you have to have a chance for success and you need social approval. He's He was also big on talking about work and how this factored in because productive work is is critically important to mental health and mental stability. Of course. And so as we move into these trying times, let us realize that people are at home and they're displaced from their places of work, which give them value and income and things like this. And so yeah. there, there's, there's, some, yep. there, there's some hyper awareness from my aspect on the mental stability issues that are going to crop up because people don't know how to use their leisure time in a classical way which means
1: that is correct
0: leisure to american culture is is simple amusement and entertainment but in the classical sense in ancient greece it was to educate and elevate culture so i would encourage your students and the people that listen to me to dig into quality reading an exploration of what, what life is all about. And it doesn't have to be religious. It, it can be other aspects as well. Um, there's Absolutely. a lot of things online. There's you know there's books you can get for a couple bucks. And just start reading something even out of your area. I read a lot of stuff, and I read a lot of stuff I don't understand. I read it anyway. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. my daughter said, Dad, I don't understand this. I go, that's all right. Keep reading it. You know, <laughs>
1: Yeah, enjoy that. Uh, enjoy that feeling of mystery.
0: As one of my teachers said, "Just keep it up; you'll figure it out eventually." You know, it's true. It was frustrating true. at the time, but I think I kind of get what he was saying. Now it's like, yeah. I, I can't give it all to you. You here's right. here's the here's the kind of trail guide. Now go off on the Pacific Coast Trail, and you keep going this direction. Eventually, you get to Pacific Ocean. You know, and it's along the way you're gonna figure it out you're going to right. learn a lot of stuff. And yeah. so that's the journey, man, and I um it's been good talking to you and in terms of a goal, I really want to, you know, come back up and see what you're doing on the on the other side of this and let's look forward oh, to yeah. that.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, as, as soon as this is uh resolved to some degree, I uh, I think it would be great if you came up.
0: Yeah. And I might even, maybe I'll do a little video for your group on the, the fox feet, just so you don't have to wait. Oh, that would
1: be great. Yeah.
0: If you'd like to do that, I'll put some little thing together, and I'll send it up to you. We,
1: we should we should totally do that.
0: All right, Eric, how do they get a hold of you if they're in your area they want to do some remote training?
1: Yeah. Um, anyone who wants to call me can call me at 510-393-2568 or they can email me at Eric Kenyon, RKC, at yahoo.com. Um, I'm a very easy person to find. If you just Google Eric Kenyon or Formis Function, or search us on Facebook, or search us on Instagram, or search us on YouTube, Eric Kenyon, Formis Function, I can be found. Yes, um, and at, I, I I'm will at hook... my new studio quite often, right in downtown Grass Valley. It's called Center of Movement.
0: Nice. Um, and I'll hook up those uh, links really... directly, too.
1: Oh, thank you. So, yeah, I'm really easy to find. And uh, uh, as you know, always eager to have a conversation
0: with yeah. somebody
1: about, uh, about these subjects and about people's goals and people's uh, dreams.
0: Yeah, you're a sharp guy. I I've, I've really enjoyed communicating with you and just having really in-depth conversations, not just training Thank together, you. but just thinking and and sometimes right. we don't agree and you challenge my thought that's process right. <laughs> and that, and that's okay. You oh, know yeah. because I think that's one of the things that's missing today and and that's what I got out of reading Arsenal of Democracy, you know, these things can be very productive when people don't understand each other or agree and, or you know, that we we hash it out and we move forward. Uh yep. I'll say this in closing. Eric's my go to guy when it comes to string conditioning. So when I go up there I always learn something from you and your group and and I, I'm definitely humbled to be a, a beginning student up there and it's it's just a wonderful experience. I highly trust you and I know what you know what you're doing and I would trust you to work with my kids without hesitation. So thanks again, Eric. Um I'll see you soon and I'll be sending up a video of the fox feet. <laughs>
1: uh-huh. Thanks, Ron.
0: Yeah. You've been listening to Lean Braves Radio Show at theleanbraise.com. This has been Ron Jones, your host, with Eric Kenyon, strength coach from Grass Valley, California, on March seventeenth, twenty twenty.